since the fall. Welcome back to Rapid Reactions on Husker Sports Weekly Season 2, Episode 1, coming at you today. And just like the rest of you Husker fans, we are extremely disappointed, upset, frustrated. Whatever word you want to use, that is what we are right now. So today we will display said frustration by going back over Nebraska at Illinois, what mistakes were made, how they can be fixed, and the question everyone has on their mind when will this reoccurring movie finally come to an end? As always, Connor Clark, Grant Hansen are here with you. Find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen 15 underscore Hansen. Find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and find our podcast on Spotify. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar as well as Apple Podcasts because I looked and that's where the majority of our listens are coming from. So Apple Podcasts? Yeah, so go check it Dang. out on Apple Podcasts as well. So. We really appreciate you listening, and uh, let's dive into this depressing next 30 minutes. Um, yeah, I agree, we, depressing. I've compiled a list here. Um, <laughs> of depressing things. Of, uh, well, uh, one is positives. There are only two things on the list, but there, there is a list. Um, negatives is a lot bigger of a list. Well, and yeah. then uh, questions that we all have after game one of the 2021 season. So first... Why don't we kick it off on a high note? We'll do the positives. The first two things I've written down, and the only two things I've written down, are the front seven looked great for most of the game. They had a dominant first half. Um, probably got a little bit tired in the second half because they were out on the field so much, but uh, pretty happy with their performance personally. Um, and as well as Oliver Martin and Samari Toure, both looked pretty solid. Um, Oliver Martin with over 100 hundred. Receiving yards, 103 on six receptions. Toure had three receptions for 37 yards. We also saw Omar Manning in there for a couple of receptions. Um, so those are the positives. Would you agree with said positives? Yeah, I think I would for the most part. I mean, obviously the front seven part is very true. Um, three sacks in the first quarter. Uh, two by Feldarius Payne, who really, I mean, he had a really, really great first half. Um, and you could tell that as they got into the second half, it just it didn't work as well because they were tired. But, I mean, man, in the first half, they were swarming to the ball uh, against the run. They were defending the run very well. Uh, they were getting relatively good pressure in the first half. And, again, especially in that first quarter. I was pretty disappointed in the secondary, uh, personally. And, you know, like, obviously, you know, Brandon Peters is not the greatest quarterback in the world. And, you know, when you go to the number two in that situation, and I think I'm trying to remember, transfer from Rutgers, if I remember correctly. Arthur Piekowski. Yeah. So Piekowski <clears throat> and Brandon Peters, I think, and I'm trying to get the actual stats on this so I don't tell you wrong, but um, I think those guys had like four incompletions combined. Yes, correct. Four incompletions combined between those four guys. Sitkowski was 12 of 15 for 124 and two touchdowns. Peters obviously exited very early, um, three for four, 35 yards. That's pretty bad. I mean, uh, like, not going to lie, like, to get dotted up. And it wasn't for huge yardage. But the thing is, like, Brett Bielema is smart. He knows that Sitkowski is not, like, the passing god. Uh, and so... He used him sparingly, and he executed on that, and they did a good job of running the football. And so, like, I I just I'm a little bit disappointed in the secondary that you know is supposed to be very strong, uh, and there was good plays made. You know, Deontay Williams had a really nice uh, tackle for a loss, 
in the first half, just came screaming off of the off the edge and, and made a great tackle on, uh, on, I think it was just a stretch play to the left or something like that. And he came from the backside. That was, I mean, there was not. It's not like they were irredeemable, um, but I, I just felt like they gave up a lot in the passing game, a lot more than I expected. You know, they they had the pick, the Cam Taylor Britt pick that was wiped out by the penalty. But really, other than that, like, was there a huge major highlight for that group? And I don't know if there was. Well, that's where everything seemed to go south. Right. Was after that thirty-yard penalty. Because the roughing the passer and the taunting that followed the roughing the passer. And this game is a perfect example of why stats don't tell the entire story. Because when you look at the team stats, Nebraska won more first down than Illinois had. They outgained Illinois by almost 70 yards in this game. They had 392, Illinois had 326. 232 yards through the air, Illinois had 159 yards through the air. Um, rushing Illinois outrushed Nebraska by just seven yards, which it seemed like Nebraska's rushing game was non-existent at some points. But that's something that we can get into as well because uh, that was a big inconsistency. Let me read off these negatives real quick because this will be the meat of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then we can really, really get into it. So first of all, Cam Taylor Brett giving Illinois free safety. Yes. What was that and it's one of those things that is so confusing to me and it you know adrian to me personifies this problem more than anybody else but it does happen with other guys where you're like okay they speak in press conferences or you see video or how, how they talk with other people and you're like okay like cam taylor Britt is not an idiot like it from everything that we've read about him what we've you know listened when we we've heard him speak uh he's not an idiot he, he knows the game, um, and yet he makes a ridiculously poor decision. And, again, like I said, Adrian personifies this way more than anyone else, in my opinion. But why? It, it's just so mystifying to me because he is a very smart player. He's a very good player, and just not making a good decision. And I, I wonder, like, part of it is, like, okay, yeah – the place where he does the most of his work, obviously, is in the secondary. Uh, and so he's not, like, the most experienced punt returner in the world. But it's just still mystifying to me that that even happened. And then launching the ball <laughs> afterwards. Like, I just, I don't get that. Um, so, that, yeah, it's just it's just another one of those plays that, like, has become very on character for Nebraska um, over the last, you know, six to eight years. Yeah, that was – I mean, that's unacceptable, whoever you are. I know Cam Taylor Britt isn't really a punt returner, but right. you have to know where you, are, where you are on the field. You have to know where the defenders are when they're running at you. Right. And like, you don't feel the ball at the one-yard line. Like, that was going to be a touchback right? for sure. And if they down it at the one-yard line, they give credit to Illinois, but that's better than giving them And it was safety. less – this happened with kickoffs, too. It was less disastrous there, but the, the people who were doing kick returns for Nebraska right. were consistently bringing it out. And uh, jogging into a pile of people. Right, and not, like, deep in the end zone, not just taking the touch back, and there you're wasting time and losing yardage, right? So, like, that obviously didn't – none of those ended in safeties, but – I mean, that cost Nebraska yardage in the special teams game as well. 
Yeah, pretty bad for a program that's being accused of using illegal special teams analysts. Yeah, I mean, it blows was all my over. mind. Yeah, I know how that happens. Second thing on the list, Martinez still struggles with protecting the ball, and he missed a handful of open receivers against Illinois. Now he had the big run uh, that. Gave Nebraska a little bit of life, and he made some good plays with his legs, and he found a couple of open receivers and was able to make a couple of throws. But that strip sack that turned into a scoop and score at the end of the half was a killer. Yeah. A killer because you give that up. You had the ball to, with a couple of minutes left to try and go down and score before the half. You don't get the ball to start the second half, and you do that around midfield, a scoop and score. That gives them – and they just scored to tie the game too. So there's a 14-point swing right there. Um, so that was a huge one, and then they come down and score to open up the second half, which was basically good night. I right. Mean, well, and then so you think about the the fumble touchdown that you gave up. That's seven points, two extra points. That is uh, a total of nine points plus the safety is eleven total that you just basically gifted. Uh, you take those things away, and Nebraska wins it. Uh, 24 to trying to do some quick math in my head 24 21 right which would not have been like overjoyed I would not be overjoyed with 24 21 but it's a win right I'd be way more happy than I am right now and it's not that far <laughs> different from the score I predicted on Friday which is 28 24 so I just I think we've seen enough at this point to say this uh Adrian is a top-tier person. He is a top-tier human being. He is not a top-tier quarterback. And I don't even really want to quantify which tier I would put him in because he does do amazing things sometimes, right? The 75-yard touchdown run as an example, right? Uh, but he's wildly, wildly inaccurate. I don't know if I would go with indecisive. I know that's a word that has been used a lot with Adrian over these last two or three years. I don't know if that's the word I would use um, in this in this situation. I think a couple of years ago I would have, but he's just very inaccurate. I mean, he just he he missed a wide open guy, I believe near the end of the first half. Uh, and I'm trying to remember who, exactly who it was, but I I don't know if it was Samari Toure, but it might have been. But he was wide open and just overthrew him. I mean, ridiculously overthrew him, and it's you know it's. It's just disappointing when you have a four-year starter and captain at quarterback and a four-year head coach, and you're coming up against a guy. Now, granted, you know, Brett Bielema is not a rookie head coach, but it's his first year at Illinois. It's his first game, and a backup quarterback is in on the other side in Sitkowski, and he's way more accurate than your four-year starter and captain, and you lose. <laughs> like, it is embarrassing on so many levels. I know that's more of a general thought for the end, but... Yeah, it's. I just, again, Adrian is a top-tier person. I think that's obvious. He's not a top-tier quarterback. I would agree with that. He's, I mean, he's shown flashes of what he can be, but he just has not been able to make the plays. And I think he was too worried yesterday, too, in a couple of instances here where he overthrew receivers. Is He was too... He was trying to avoid the hit as much as possible while trying to throw the ball. If he stood in there, and I know as a quarterback you don't want to get hit all the time, but if you stand in there and take a hit, odds are the throw is going to be way better because you're still setting yourself and taking a good step forward and looking at your target. 
instead of trying to avoid this human being who's running at you. Right. And even if you take the hit, odds are you're you're going to be okay. Maybe you even get a roughing the passer penalty out of it. Right. And you probably get the completion. So that like that's huge. And that's something Adrian has proven he can't do. Um I mean, I I want I want to root for him so bad on the football field I really do, but um as as you mentioned, I I agree. I think he's a top-tier person, but not a top-tier quarterback, obviously, as we've seen in the past couple of years or so. Moving on to the next thing on the list, penalties. Mm. Penalties, penalties, penalties. This has been a reoccurring theme since Scott Frost got here. They weren't as terrible against Illinois. I believe they only had six the entire game. But the Five six, 67 yards. But those penalties came at the worst times in the game. You... The Caleb Tanner roughing the passer slash taunting. That's 30 yards right there. The offensive pass interference, which was a killer. And, I mean, Oliver Martin had a great game otherwise. That was really the only bad thing that he did. Um, you have holdings at inopportune times. I mean. I, like, I, it was interesting, like, thinking, I think as a fan of a team in general, like, there are games where you feel like, wow, the other team got hosed by the refs and we got out lucky. Yeah. I have never in my life seen a Nebraska football game in which I thought the other team got hosed and we got lucky. And we just absolutely – there. Were, and, again, there was only five penalties, but the offensive pass interference against Oliver Martin, bad call. Um, the, obvi- the the worst by far is the roughing the passer against yeah, Caleb I hate Tanner. That I mean, rule. that was really, really bad. I don't honestly know – what he did wrong uh the taunting you know the unsportsmanlike conduct afterwards yeah that's obvious that's bad that's really bad uh and that is more characteristic of nebraska over the last decade is you compound mistakes and in this case it wiped out what i think would have been a game-changing interception at that point nebraska leads it nine to two you set up I think it would have been either it was in, midfield. It was either midfield. It was either in Illinois territory at the forty, um, or in Nebraska territory at the forty. So you set up in great position. Your offense just put together a really great drive, and you have a chance to really take control of this game at sixteen to two, or you know even twelve to two. Even if it ended in a field goal, it still would have been very positive. Uh, and so I think I think Nebraska got out of that drive without giving up any points. I, I'm not 100% sure on that. But then the next time down the field, you, know, you have to give it up, give it back up. Uh, you force a fumble, which Nebraska has rarely done. Forcing fumbles, forcing turnovers in general have, has been difficult over the last five years. But you give it right back. Adrian gives it back, right back to him, and... You know, not only that, but it's returned it was, for a touchdown. It was worth seven points. Yeah, I just compounding mistakes on mistakes on mistakes, and that 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 summarizes a lot of yesterday. Yeah, I mean, and Nebraska only had one turnover yesterday, but it was that scoop and right, score, right? And it was a very valuable turnover. I mean, it was better than we we talked about earlier in the week how we had five turnovers against Illinois last year. So, I mean, at least that was cleaned up, but still not ideal yep. in the way that it happened. Um, missed extra points. 
I mean, I don't know what happened there. Mm-mm. Connor Culp is a former first-team All-Big Ten kicker. He's the only All-Big Ten player Scott Frost has had since he's been here. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I mean, it's the Big Ten kicker of the year, and he misses two extra points. I just, like, I, I'm so confused. Uh, what what do they do exactly in practice? I, a lot of people are probably asking that same Sometimes, question. especially on the special teams part, I'm really asking Nothing, that. it seems like. Because allegedly we're cheating on special teams, or we have cheated in the <laughs> and past. And yet we've regressed. It's, I really don't know. I And the jokes, the jokes for the non-Nebraska fans write themselves. Uh, it's so disappointing. So incredibly disappointing. I, I kept asking myself, over and over in my head, how did I even get swindled into thinking we'd go seven and five? Like, how did I even think that? Uh, and it's just, oh my gosh! Like, you thought we could hit rock bottom last year against Illinois, and not saying this is—I don't know if this is worse than last year against I Illinois. I think last year's still worse. I, I agree. I kind of agree with you on that, but this is really, really bad and disappointing. And I just, especially considering last week where all the talk in the press conference is, well, we're just looking for the next game. We're just yeah. looking for the game. Man, does that ring sour now. It really does. I told you I didn't like that last week. I didn't and like I that said, press conference. And I said I didn't conference. care. I didn't care if, if they won. You know, if they lost, there was going to be hell to pay. And, and now there's hell to pay. And there is now hell to pay. So, I mean, I just, I'm so disappointed on so many levels. And I'll, I'll ask you this, because this is something I've been thinking about. I, I thought about this a little bit last year, and this may seem a little dramatic, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you this straight up. I wonder what you think on this. Is Scott Frost a liar? I don't know. I feel like liar is a very, for lack of a better term, harsh word in like this scenario. I think he's a... I think he's great at over-exaggerating. I think that's what he does in his press conferences. I mean, I don't know. He could be. Like, I bet to a lot of Nebraska fans he is. I don't know if I would go as far to call him a liar. But, I mean, at some point there has to be a line, John, because he said in his his post-game press conference that what he sees in practice is not what he sees on game days. Like, it's totally different. So what the hell is the drop-off? Right. Like, why is there such a... Cam Jurgens has not had a single bad snap in spring or fall camp. Why is that happening now? Yeah. In a in a huge moment. Right. When you are trying to come back from a three touchdown deficit, you are driving. And luckily they ended up scoring on that drive, I believe. But still, that costs you a down, that costs you time, that costs you field position. I mean, last year that basically cost you the Iowa game. Yep. And we see it again here. And it's another single possession game loss. You know, I I, I don't know where I come down on this because, like I, I don't, said, I, see, I've been thinking s- about it a lot. I and wouldn't I agree. Liar as- is, you know, liar is definitely a strong word. But here's the thing: if you're talking for two years about how great Omar Manning is and how he's going to help and us out, and he doesn't out, start, and then he doesn't start the game, and yeah, in that's fact, ridiculous. He gets maybe like two I think catches. That's ridiculous. And He's known to be this deep threat level receiver. Well, the only guy that, you know, was looked at deep down the field was Oliver Martin in the first half. Like, I just, 
I'm so confused on so many levels. You know, like, and that's why I'm like, I, I don't want to say, because again, liar is harsh. But here's the thing. I don't really know what else to call all the talk about Omar for the last two years. Well, and if I can add something to this point, too, and I'm going to go to a different section on the stock here and go to one of the questions that I've written down here. Where was Austin Allen yes. the entire game? You talk about how the tight end room is one of the most talented groups on the team, which I still think is true. Why is Austin Allen getting a one target before the fourth quarter, which Adrian somehow overthrew him? He's a six foot nine tight end. And B, like give him the ball. He is talented enough. We've seen him make plays in years prior. Give him the ball. Like, why is there all this talk about the tight end room is great? Obviously the injury with Fedoni. So yep. like we weren't expecting to see him for at least five or six weeks this year. Right. But Tom not Thomas Allen. Austin Allen, excuse me. Um, why why is he not getting the ball? Like, he's a, a starter for I don't know how many years. Probably three. He's six foot yeah. nine. He's one of your best players on offense. And it's the same thing with Omar Manning. Why is he not in the starting lineup? Right, and it's it's interesting. Like, improperly util- utilizing weapons or inconsistently utilizing weapons. Now you'll remember the first touchdown Nebraska scored. To go ahead, <laughs> six to two, at that time after the missed extra point. It was a barn burner. Uh, it was led by Marquis Step. Like Marquis Step had multiple big plays. You had that wheel route, uh, misdirection play action wheel route where he caught a ball for about thirty yards. It was looked like the old Scott Frost offense or whatever we thought we were going to get from UCF. Uh, and he had a couple of really good carries on the drive and then ended up punching it into the end zone, like. And then he just disappears. He's gone for the rest of the game, barely used. Why? You know, like, why Why this dedication to... I don't even know how I want to even... Like, I don't, I don't... Because it's not like Gabe Irvin had a terrible game um, by any means. But, you know, he gets 12 carries for 33 yards... And Marquise gets three total. Like, I just, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Like, where is this dedication in Gabe Irvin coming from, really? Because he had 12 carries for 33 yards. 11 of those 33 came on one carry. So if you take that carry away and it's 11 carries for 22 yards, he literally is averaging two yards a carry. And some of that could be on the offensive line, but... If you think that all three of those guys in that running back room are so close, which is what has been said these last few weeks by both Frost and his running backs coach, then if one guy isn't working, why not move to one of your three guys that are allegedly so close? Now, again, it's possible that they were just saying that in the week leading up to Illinois so as to not give away who is the starter or who is really ahead, but... Either way, you know, Irvin was not working. And I I just, again, I am so mystified by the disappearance of guys, you know, stars who work in this this offense, and then they just are never used again and disappear. I I, I just don't get it. 
Marquis Step had three carries for 10 yards and a touchdown, one reception for 30 yards, which puts them at number three out of the leading receivers from yesterday. Another question about the Nebraska running room, or running back room, rather. Scott Frost, the last thing he said in his post-game press conference, Sevion Morrison was available for that game. Why is he not playing? That's a lot of people, like a lot of people, including us, thought Sevion Morrison was going to get the first carry of the game. Yep. Where was he? Like, is there like something going on with him? Like, he, he he's available. Why right. aren't you putting him in the game? I was confused by that as well. Uh, you know, you've got a guy who set records in Oklahoma. Uh, a guy who has his jersey retired at his high school. You know, and Oklahoma isn't like, you know, a non-football. It's not Maine in terms of high school football. So, not from Alaska. Right. So, like, I just, I, I just don't understand. And I just, like, I keep coming back to, like, where do we go from here, right? Because, and I know some Thank of us. Thank God for the non-conference schedule. That's what I'm going right. to say. But, like, I, like, and I know, like, some people, including us, said, don't overreact to this Illinois game. Is the season over? Is the season not over? The season isn't over. But it feels that way in a lot of ways. It's it's and, extremely disappointing, obviously, because this is a game that both you and I and a lot of people that we know, we were pretty confident that Nebraska was going to come out of this game with a win. Right. And we've said that in our our preseason predictions that they were going to be 3-0 going to Oklahoma. Obviously not the case anymore. But there's – when you look at the amount of points, and you brought this up earlier, that Nebraska just gave to Illinois, and they just gave them those points, it's – and I know we've been saying this for, what, three years now, ever since Scott Frost here, and it's still the same issue, but it's a very fixable issue. They are beating themselves 85% of the time. Yep. They beat themselves on Saturday. If if they lose to Buffalo, odds are they beat themselves Right. in that game. I'm like – I. Losing to Fordham next week hasn't really crossed my mind yet, but, you know, I think I it would be – I can't rule it out. After. I think it would be a fair thought to have in your mind. Yeah. I also think it would be a fair thought that the sellout streak is in danger next week. That talk is very interesting. I don't really know. I mean, uh, you we'll you would probably out. have a better idea than I would, but no. I, I mean, people are pissed. I mean, <laughs> so that could do it. But I mean, I don't know. I, and again, like I said, I, I just don't know where we go from here because here's the thing: if this team doesn't turn around, and I don't think they will, I really don't. I and I. I hope they do, and I know I've switched very quickly for those of you who have listened to me before who may be getting some whiplash because I was a, you know, ardent Scott Frost defender during the summer, and um, I, I feel like he got some unfair coverage a lot of the time, but that's predicated on things changing on the field, and they just haven't. Year one to year four is not very different, and so that's why I really don't think it is very hard um, – it's very, very hard for me to think that Nebraska changes because they haven't. And everything that we saw yesterday is the same stuff we've been complaining about for the last three to four years. And so it's depressing to me because I came here in many ways because of the football program. Uh, you came here similarly because I wanted to come here and cover it. I wanted to come here and cover the resurgence. 
and you know at the time that looked like something that was very likely and now you know to me you know there are two options either frost sticks around and i don't think we get any better i don't think things change or they fire him and replace him and while we're here we're still going to be bad because we're going to be back to square one like we were in 2017 after mike riley and so i just it's very very disappointing on so many levels um and obviously the volleyball program is here and that's incredibly exciting thank god for and, the volleyball program you know the volleyball program might win a national title in the next couple of years while i'm we're gonna here. be watching them very closely for the rest of the fall i will say that right yeah. now i mean i hope so and yeah, which i, I should have been do. doing first of all like in the first place so i apologize for that but yeah <laughs> uh but i it's just disappointing it's very disappointing and i you know we talked about it before like do we feel like Scott Frost is a liar. I don't. I still don't know on that. Uh, it's an interesting question. I do feel like I've been lied to, or at least we need bamboo. I don't yeah, know. We, we need we need the Stephen A. Smith soundbite. We've been hoodwinked, yeah. bamboozled, led astray. <laughs> led astray feels really good. I like led astray feels like that might be the best description uh, of how I feel. Like I just how how in the world and I thought seven and five I thought seven and five was being conservative I thought seven and five or six and six was being conservative and not very Kool Aid at all and here we are after Illinois and I gosh I wonder if we can even get to four I wonder if we can even get to four wins I mean for. Uh... For the amount of talent Scott has gotten through the years here, it is, I mean, the it's just pretty clear that the coaching staff is not very good at developing talent. And they're just not very good in general because that leads me to the last thing on this list before we wrap it up here. The coaching staff didn't know what down it was on the second to last drive of the game. They thought it was a fourth and one, it was first and goal. So we run a QB sneak to try and get that what we thought was first down. So that takes away a down. Again, luckily we scored on that drive, but that's more time. That's another play. That's another down. Which, if you could you imagine if we didn't score on that drive? Right. I mean, I think then Lincoln would have really been up in flames if that didn't happen. But it's just it, so many mental things, too. It, it was for, and as you mentioned, the amount of talking that, that Scott Frost is. Like, that press conference, when you go up there and say, yeah, we're ready for the game 21 different times, that says to me, okay, they're actually prepared and ready to go play this thing. Enough talk about all the stupid things that have happened in the offseason, all the distractions. We're ready to go play football, and we're going to go win this game. Clearly, and judging by the scoreboard, clearly that is not the case, and I don't know what is happening behind closed doors. You know, frankly, it's just embarrassing. And I think this state and the fans in this state deserve better. That's just that's just it. And they've deserved better for the last eight years. And the fact that they keep showing up is almost mystifying to me. And the fact that we honestly haven't in the last eight years had a discussion about the end of the sellout streak 
until I guess this year, which is kind of random. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it, you know, if it won't. But I, I, I'm just tired of being the butt of every joke by every national writer. I'm tired of investing my hope in a team that continually dashes my hope. Um, I'm tired of investing in guys who, you know, come out after press conferences and say, well, we're going to, we got to do better next time. I don't, we don't know what's wrong. We're tired of this happening. We want to, we want to win. And then they just don't. And then they, you know, I, I just, it's just so disappointing. And like I said, it's embarrassing. I don't know how many games Illinois is going to win this year, and I know Brett Bielema is a good coach, and I think he's going to get that program in a good spot um, soon. But, again, like the comparisons where you're like, it's a backup quarterback transfer and a first-year <clears throat> head coach. And, again, he's not a rookie, but he's a first-year head coach at Illinois, his first game, versus a guy who's been there for four years with a four-year starter and captain, and you lose by eight and give away 11 points. I just, like I said, the jokes write themselves. It's embarrassing, and I, it's just so embarrassing. I, I can't even describe it any other way. I think in some ways you can I – like, I barely count this as a one-score loss, and I know that Scott Frost doesn't have a very good record with one-score losses, but like this was barely a one-score loss. It probably shouldn't have been a one-score loss, yeah. if we're being honest here. But I think – I don't know. In my personal opinion, I think the conversation of a sellout streak ending is a very real conversation. Maybe not this week, but later in the season, it could very well be a possibility. But we can talk about that in our episode later this week. Um, I think that's enough frustration for today. I know, <laughs> I know it was a very tough week zero. Luckily, if you're just a college football fan in general, like the both of us are, right. Thursday is a fantastic slate of games. You have Rutgers Temple, you have Boise State UCF, and you have Ohio State Minnesota all on Thursday. So, I mean, go go down to Buffalo Wild Wings to get your buy one, get one free, and go watch those games. Um, and then, obviously, that Saturday, Nebraska hosts Fordham for the first home game of the year. Lots of other Big Ten games happening this week. But um, that will do it for us on the first episode of Season 2 of Rapid Reactions. Hopefully, we'll be in a better mood next week after that game. Um, no promises. But, yeah, no promises, that is for sure. But once again, the final score of Saturday's matchup, Illinois 30, Nebraska 22. A lot of things have to be fixed. But uh, there's there's only one way that can happen, and that's with actually doing things at practice, which we're both convinced nothing is happening at practice. But anyway, we'll see you for our Husker Sports Weekly episode later this week. It'll be episode number 57. We'll preview week two of the college football season and week two of Nebraska seasons, actually week one, technically. But um, So we'll look out for that. Um, be sure to tune into that, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode, Rapid Reactions. Episode number two of season two will come on Sunday after the Fordham game. So once again, thanks so much for tuning in. You can find our show at Husker Weekly on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. And find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar. We'll be back later this week for episode number 57 of Husker Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for being here. Go Big Red.